Were we created, or did we just accidentally get here? That is the question that has fueled the fire of the origins debate. But if opposing scientists see the same evidence, then why the controversy? Stay tuned. We start the process of analyzing the data from a different assumption set, from different presuppositions. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Knowing where we came from is important to us and dictates how we live our lives. But since no human being was there when God spoke creation into existence, and no human being could have survived the Big Bang even if he had been there, how can science give us answers about our origins? Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we discover the why behind the continuing controversy of creation versus evolution. Dr. John Morris is president here at the Institute for Creation Research. He says that science alone cannot explain when and how we came into existence. It's important that we remember that science has to do with observations. Scientists make their observations. They gather their data. They, they collect their fossils. They do their calculations. Scientists do what they do, but they do it in the present. This issue of creation versus evolution is an idea about the past. We observe science today, but origins is the unobserved past. Nobody saw that. The only way that science can really address this issue with certain knowledge is to go back in time and observe it happen. But we can't do that. We have only the clues in the present of what happened in the past. And here we are in the present trying to reconstruct history. So creation evolution is really a historical idea. It's, we call it the historical sciences. Dr. David DeWitt is director of the Center for Creation Studies at Liberty University and author of the book Unraveling the Origins Controversy. He explains the difference between historical science and what is known as empirical science. People are often confused about science and thinking that creation and science really don't mix. The issue is we're confusing empirical science these are experiments that someone would do in a laboratory, for example, where we have something that's repeatable and can be confirmed over and over. It can fuse empirical science with historical science. And in a historical science, we have to interpret data differently. We have to use assumptions and build a model to see if that provides an explanation for the event. A historical process, by definition, is not repeatable. Therefore, creation and evolution both fit in the historical science category. A historical science is like forensics, where if you're trying to understand who or what killed someone, you have a suspect. You have multiple suspects, and you have to weed out which ones might have alibis, which ones have evidence that would exonerate them. And so you have to approach it from a different standpoint, and you use assumptions and build a model and see which one is the most robust, which fits the data the best. The Big Bang Theory is another example of a historical science. People are looking at something in the present and trying to figure out how it got to be that way and the assumptions and presuppositions that they use as the starting point guide how the data is interpreted. The creationist is in the same boat. 
We're using assumptions, although different ones. One of our primary ones being that God is real and His Word is truth. And we can use that scripture to help us interpret what's happened. So creation is very much a historical science. The major reason for the ongoing origins controversy between evolutionists and creationists is due to the pre-assumed ideas of both worldviews. Dr. Morris explains. In my book, The Young Earth, I have an illustration that really forms a very important part of the way I think as a scientist and the way I write. It shows an illustration there. Well, at the center of the diagram is the data, all the data of the universe. And yet, we have different interpretations of the same data because we start the process of analyzing the data from a different assumption set, from different presuppositions, especially as it deals with creation evolution, the unobserved past. If one adopts a presuppositional mindset that only natural processes have ever occurred, that it's all natural, like natural selection, that there's never been any supernatural, then when we look at the data, we can tell an evolutionary story about the origin of things. But if you start from the perspective that the Bible is true, that God's Word really happened the way the Bible says it happened, that history really happened just that way, that creation really occurred, that the fall into sin really occurred, and that the flood of Noah's day really did restructure the earth. Then you look at the evidence, the rocks and the fossils, the frogs and the bacteria, whatever else, and you can tell a creationist story about its origin. So, the origin assumptions of both creation and evolution are based on personal belief. However, as ICR geophysicist Dr. John Baumgartner points out, creation is not blind faith. Faith is not in conflict with reason. I believe, in general, faith is based on evidence and reason. It's not in a vacuum, in other words. And so I believe God has given us abundant evidence and certainly some very significant revelation from himself through the scriptures. It's not certainly not blind faith. It rests squarely on evidence and testimony. Dr. DeWitt would agree and says creation science offers valid assumptions and rational evidence. Creationists are making great strides in research, in particular the Wright team with radioisotopes and the Gene Project and others were making progress in research, but that evidence that we're getting, what it really shows is that we have valid reasons for taking the assumptions that we do, that even though we can't prove them necessarily, it's not without a firm basis. And the research that's being done is reinforcing that, yes, this is in fact valid interpretation. In the same way, as we look more closely at evolution, a lot of what we're finding is that the assumptions that the evolutionist is making really aren't so valid and don't necessarily reflect reality as well. And so we have two competing explanations and the one that accommodates the data the best is the one that we should hold. And I think more and more evidence is supporting the creation assumptions. Dr. Baumgartner. I believe the evidence, as the scripture says, the evidence is plain. That the evidence is overwhelmingly in support of God's existence. That God has made it. I would say it's, especially with our knowledge today of what life is like at a molecular level, even the idea of one life protein coming into existence on its own is absurd. 
And yet we as humans have something like a 100,000 different proteins. So if it's unthinkable that even one could come into existence on its own, how much more a system made of a 100,000 with all of the higher levels of complexity? Dr. Morris says that when creation and evolution are compared scientifically, creation always makes more sense. In a scientific sense, we can't prove one or the other because we can't go back in time and see it happen. But we can say, and we do say, that the creationist interpretation is superior to the evolutionary interpretation, but it all goes back to our assumptions. I think as Christians, we must adopt the Bible as true. We don't try to prove the Bible, but we believe it. We know it's true by faith. But if it's true, it's got to work. And when we apply it in science, we find that it works better than any other presupposition set, any other assumption. The evidence supports the Word of God. But if there is more evidence to support a creation worldview, why can't evolutionists see the truth? Dr. Baumgartner. Well, I believe the origins question gets right to the issue of God's reality. And many people have made a choice to reject God. And when this issue is brought up, it causes that issue to come before them again. And so I believe it's all about God's reality. And within we have a conscience that is constantly telling us that we are answerable to God. And the person that has decided to take this course, pursue a life without God in rebellion against God, nevertheless has constant reminders I believe, of the consequences of that. So uh, I believe it's very much a spiritual issue, a spiritual struggle, a spiritual conflict. And because people choose to reject God, they become willingly ignorant of his creative handiwork. And in the case of the origin question, they're choosing to ignore all this very, what I believe is very plain evidence that the living organisms around us, the earth itself, the cosmos, is a product of God's creative power, God's design, God's wisdom, God's creative power, that it did not come into existence on its own. We look into the laws of chemistry and physics, we do not see any ability for the laws of chemistry and physics to give rise to the coded information on which living systems are based, as an example. Is there anything that can be done to help show people the truth about the origins controversy? Dr. Baumgartner says we all can do our part to show the world the truth of God's creation. I believe the uh, tide is turning. I believe the polls certainly show that the people on the street are not buying evolution. Certainly not the evolution of human beings. A recent poll indicated that even in California, the majority of people do not believe that humans have evolved from some ape-like ancestor. So I believe not only is all this indoctrination not convincing the majority of average people, but efforts like those of ICR are making a difference. We are taking back the ground slowly. Simply if Christian students ask good questions of their professors, I believe that could go a long way in turning the tide in the university world that we uh, don't necessarily have to deal with the thought police, simply a massive campaign in the college classroom on the part of Christian students, I believe, would go a long way to uh, turning the tide in that arena as well.
Even though people may choose to believe in evolution, the truth of the matter is that nothing formed on its own, but was purposefully created by our great God. Dr. Morris explains that our loving Creator not only made us and set rules over our lives, but also took the punishment for us when we broke His laws. We have wronged Him. We have gone contrary to His teachings. The Bible says there is no justification for our sin other than the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but that Christ has died for our sins. That Christ who died for us is really our Creator, the one who created us, who has the authority over our lives. It's only as we recognize that His death paid the penalty for our wrong choices, our sin, that we can have forgiveness and restoration, reconciliation with Him for all of eternity. And that's the Christian hope. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.